0: Let me start off today by saying that even though I'm a member of the Church of Christ and I attend Otter Creek, the Church of Christ tribe and Otter Creek do not speak for me. I am a minister of the gospel of Jesus the Christ. And with that said, Jesus is my king. Just because the COC or OC hold to a certain position or opinion towards things, that does not mean that I share those same opinions. There are opinions that I have that I know that others do not agree with, and that's fine. My job as a minister of the gospel is to proclaim the word. That is sharing the good news to the poor, proclaiming freedom for prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, setting the oppressed free and making disciples. That's taken from Luke 4. Sometimes that message will be against what we've always heard, but it will be from the word of the Lord. So if you want to know what I think about an issue, please feel free to come to me or send me a message. Some of you all have already done this and I appreciate that. What you will hear today is not only a part of what has helped uh, to shape my theology and my ministry. One may say, you don't need anything else but the Bible. Well, guess what? Even those within the Bible read and study works outside of the holy text that shaped their theology. I enjoy the writings and thoughts of Bible scholars, preachers, and theologians of European descent like Diedrich Bonhoeffer, N.T. Wright, Scott McKnight, Dr. Ben Witherington III, Eugene Peterson, Bobby Valentine, Dr. John Mark Hicks, uh, Dr. Rubel Shelley, Rob Touchstone, Amy Boss henniger Amy McLaughlin Shasby, Claire uh, Davidson Frederick, Dr. Mallory Wyckoff, Jennifer Janine Thweet, Dr. Sarah Gaston Barton, Dr. Naomi Walters, Tiffany Mangan Dowman, um, Na- uh, Nadia Bowes Weber, Hannah Adair Bonner, Melissa Green, Anna Register, Dr. Terry Briley, and even our very own Richard Hughes, Lee Count, Josh Graves, and others. Even though I knew several black preachers growing up, it was within the past few years that I was introduced to theologians and scholars of African descent. I enjoyed the thoughts of Dr. James H. Cone, uh, Dr. Howard Thurman, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., Dr. Cornel West, Dr. Aubrey Hendricks, Dr. Jeremiah Wright, who was on the video, Dr. Otis Mouse III, uh, Dr. Cleo LaRue, Lawrence Rogers, Dr. Michael Brown, James Gray, J.K. Hamilton, Stanley Hubbard, Dr. J.B. Angus Jr., Jeff Bohanna, Tim Otis, and others. I was also recently introduced to black female theologians like Dr. Brenda (laughs) Salter-McNeil, Dr. Irie Lynn Session, and my cousin, Dr. Leah Gunning-Francis. I also learned a lot from the elderly and children. So as you can see, I like a variety of thoughts and influences. Each one of them pushes me to get out of my comfort zone in their own way. I wanted to get all of that out of the way to let you know that Dr. Cohn is not the only voice that I listen to in my ministry. As you can see, it's very, very diverse, and that's on purpose. In this book, in his book, God of the Oppressed, Cone stated that as theologians we must first of all believe uh, that Christian theology is the language about God. That language is about the liberating character of God's presence in Jesus Christ as he calls his people into being for freedom in the world. What does the gospel of Jesus have to do with the oppressed and those seeking liberation? Shouldn't everyone be concerned about that question? Shouldn't it be a focal point in our ministry of reconciliation? Isn't that what Jesus spoke about in Luke 4? Life and theology is viewed differently between cultures. You may think that we should all see see things the exact same way, but we don't. I don't think God designed us that way. Even though we are all part of the human race, why did the triune God create us so differently? Why do we have different cultures? Why does the holy text teach us that God created male and female? If we are all supposed to see life the same way, why so many differences? I said all that to say this, a rich white man, I'm sorry, a rich man of European descent is not going to view God the same way that a struggling single mother of African descent will view the creator. In most cases, God is all that she has. She will pray to the creator for liberation for her current social economic situation. I can guarantee you that the rich man will not be praying to the creator for God to relieve him of his current social economic status. Cone teaches black theologians that our sermons and studies cannot be bound to the white scholarship and conceptualization of the gospel. He teaches that the black sermons should cover the totality of human existence. That's everybody. Any activity or teaching that denies the liberating truth of Jesus denies his lordship and thus is heresy. This is what he teaches. Um, this is what Cone teaches. Black theologians speak the truth to people. To identify the enemy is to free the mind. Free the mind of the people speak to the mind of the people and speak truth. He says that theology is a political language. What people think about the triune God and the church can't be separated from the social and political status, our social and political status in society. Religious conservatism and white racism are often two sides of the same coin. Liberation theology has been related to Marxism and considered dangerous. I find it interesting that this is the thought Um, when it was American conservative Christian values that murdered, raped, enslaved, imprisoned, and oppressed people throughout history. Even when we go back to the Old Testament, we see that uh, God has always had a commitment to justice for the poor and weak. Cone believes that if people do not have the same commitment or if they remain neutral or silent, then they are on the wrong side of God. Cohn teaches that if we do not believe that Jesus' good news is not news of salvation and liberation for the oppressed, then our teaching is heresy. Christian theology is social and political. As theologians and as Christians, we should give voice to the helpless and voiceless in our society. He suggests that um, theology that does not emerge from the historical consciousness of the poor is ideology. Ideology can be detrimental when one rises from an oppressed community and has achieved social and economic prosperity. This is why we should never forget our history. Too many have fallen into this trap where it is about them, i.e. the nice cars, houses, and big church buildings. And not about reaching out and sharing the gospel, to the neighborhood drug dealer or the prostitute. Dr. Cohn pulls no punches when he is dealing with white theologians. He believes that by nature white theologians have a hard time viewing the Bible from an oppressed point of view. This is part of the reason why he says the white Christians need to repent and change their view of biblical teachings. Someone in this room or uh, someone that's listening online may think that this is harsh or not true. But let me give you a personal example. It wasn't until a few years ago that I realized that I was preaching and teaching a gospel that was oppressive to women. When I stopped viewing the Bible through my traditional lenses, i.e. my COC lenses, Mm -hmm. I started to see that I had been taught things that were not in Scripture. I realized that I believed and taught things that were man-made traditions and not the Word of God. I had to repent. After that, that, I started to listen to the Bible from a woman's point of view, and it helped me to better understand the text that I thought that I already knew. Listen to what Cohn says about this. He says, when people can no longer listen to other people's stories, they become enclosed within their own social context, treating their distorted visions of reality as the whole truth. And then they feel that they must destroy other stories, which bear witness that life can be lived in another way. He says white people's decimation of red people and enslavement of black people in North America is an example of an attempt to deprave people of their stories in order to establish the white story as the only truth in history. That was why slaves were not permitted to communicate in their African languages and why red people were placed on uh, reservations. White people were saying that black and red stories were lies and superstitions that have no place in our civilized country. From some perspectives, the white story of black enslavement may be a valid story, but from the perspective of the victims, it is a tale of terror and bloodshed. From the biblical view, it is an epic of rebellion. The usurpation of God's rule and uh. In other words, it is ideology. Those were James Cone's um, words on that. So if ideology is to be avoided or reduced, you have to listen to the story of others. We always hear history from one side. Example, just recently I took Tiffany and Leah to the Sam Davis uh, Museum in Pulaski. And the tour guide told his story the same way that I had learned it uh, in history class as a child. He said that this Confederate spy was a hero. Someone who helped an army that was fighting to keep people enslaved was a hero. I knew the truth being that I had studied the other side of history. When we listen to and learn from people outside of our faith, ethnic group or social economic group, we actually affirm our faith. This process brings humanity to people and helps us to view them as our equals. It will help us to see that we share some of the same struggles in life. This is why sitting at the table and sharing a meal with those who are not like us is so important. Have you tried the spiritual uh, discipline of hospitality yet? I've challenged you to do this a few times already if we never do this we run the risk of dehumanizing others and we keep all of the isms alive the bible teaches us to love our neighbors if we refuse to listen to and learn from the atheist muslim buddhist and hindi we hinder our own faith our theology becomes ideology ideology will help to vilify and demonize anybody who is not like us Ideology is what has dehumanized the partisan groups in politics. Ideology has caused the Black Lives Matter movement to be viewed as saying that only black lives matter, when in actuality they are saying black lives matter too. Ideology is what keeps us from caring about what is happening to our native friends in South Dakota as we speak. Ideology is what helps us to avoid the issues going on in places like Haiti. Why? Because... We just look at them as being a um, devil-worshiping company, uh, country a lot of times. Ideology is what is criticizing Colin Kaepernick for not standing for the national anthem. Ideology is what says the Confederate flag stands for heritage and not hate. Ideology is what made civil rights leaders look like troublemaking criminals. Ideology is what makes all of the dead bodies lying in the streets today look like they were supposed to be dead because they didn't listen. Ideology is what what had black bodies hanging from trees like strange fruits. Ideology is what makes some of us treat the LGBTQ community like they are subhumans. Ideology is what makes men want to silence and abuse women and children. Ideology is what makes rape culture, even within the church, okay. Ideology is what makes us shame the victim in any situation. Ideology is what helps us to treat single people like something is wrong with them. Ideology is what makes divorced people feel like they are tainted people. (coughs) No matter what the addiction, um, ideology is what makes the addict feel like they cannot talk to us. Ideology is what keeps the rich from seeing things from a poor person's point of view. Ideology has helped to create and fund the system of mass incarceration. Ideology is what keeps people who live in a gated community out of the ghetto. Ideology is the reason why the black church is still necessary. Ideology is the reason why we need true reconciliation and not just integration. Ideology is what keeps Christians fighting amongst themselves. Ideology is what uh, what will not let systematic Uh, I'm sorry, systemic racism die. Ideology is what keeps sexism alive. Ideology is what gives life to classism. Ideology is the reason why slavery is still thriving. Ideology is what will cause some to uh, reject part of or all of what I am saying this morning. When we refuse to listen to a story that is not our own, then our own story becomes ideological ideology ideology is a closed system of thoughts and ideas that are incapable of hearing truth that is why Cohn says what he says that we need to repent actually he says whites need to repent but i say all of us <laughs> With that said, I'm gonna let you hear the words of James Cone. He was actually addressing a forum about the Black Church, but I believe it goes for the Universal Church.
1: <clears throat> Robert, I think you turned the TV's off.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't realize they had turned off. There we go.
2: Before I jump to that, I want to get James Cohn and the others who have not spoken involved in this conversation. James Cohn, you're one of the brilliant minds in this country, certainly on the issue of theology and faith and the black church. Let me just ask you whether or not you believe that fundamentally the black church has in fact become too political. Is the black church too political? Has the church gotten away from its primary mission? Thank you very much. I'm pleased to be here, just like everybody else, and uh, I'm also pleased that you asked me a question about whether the black church is too political. Of course, it all depends on what you mean by politics, and uh, in what way you mean that. Uh, I think one of the things that we, that the black church needs to ask itself, is what is its mission. What is its mission? Um, I think one of the things that the black church has lost is a good understanding of its mission. Black church is good at preaching, good at singing, good at uh, a lot of things, but the black church has not been as good as thinking about what its nature is and thinking about what its mission is. Is its mission primarily saving souls? or is it saving bodies, or is it both together? I think if you see them both together, I think you would have to see that the black church have to be political because politics is a part of life. It also has to be concerned about saving souls because uh, full meaning in life is not simply found in politics. So I would wanna emphasize this particular point here, is that if the black church has one problem that I think it needs to think about, it is the problem of whether it is called to save its own life or whether it's called to lose its life for the sake of others. I feel that the black church is concerned with saving its own life because it's so interested in the gospel of success. The gospel of Jesus is not a gospel of success. The gospel of Jesus is a gospel of ultimate success through failure. It's a gospel of ultimate success through obvious failure. That's why the cross is at the center of the gospel. The cross is not a gospel of success. Jesus did not succeed. He failed, but God took that failure and transformed that failure into success. Now, it's very important when you talk about ultimate success, it's not so obvious because the resurrection was not obvious. The tomb was empty, but yet nothing was there. I feel today with so much focus, On building buildings and 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 all the other humongous things that we do that we fail to see that the cross is at the heart of what the black church ought to be about it was not very difficult for the black church to see that during the time in which it was born because being a slave church, that was not success. That it was obvious failure there. Now, the problem, the problem is, is that the church has lost its legacy. It has lost its message. And when success becomes the focus of it, it loses its mission. And it loses its message. I would like to see the church not be so concerned about its success, but much more concerned about a, a kind of success through failure, and where its failure is at the is at the heart of it. So I I would I would want to put my emphasis there. I. I'm concerned that the church doesn't get too concerned about its own survival because Jesus said people who seek to save their life shall lose it. But if you lose your life for the sake of the least of these. Then you'll find your life. All right. <laughs> Y'all don't want none of this. <laughs> Y'all ain't ready
0: for this. Don't sleep on James' car. <laughs> <coughs> Any
1: questions? <laughs> this mysterious and, little thing. Can lady. you get a copy that, that eliminates one or two sentences and then takes black out from in front of the church? <coughs>
0: <coughs> it's definitely it's definitely for all of us. Not just the black churches
1: you
0: have a comment
1: you know. yeah. Yes, sir. You know, the thing that's so complex about these notions of uh, this idea of the black church and the white church, let me, forgive me for being a little messy, but that was just when I was watching him talk about this idea of success and failure, mm-hmm. I began to think about my relationship here. When I first started going to Ottawa Creek, I told a couple of my friends, you know, I was hanging out at Ottawa Creek, they were really enjoying He said, Jenkins, you know, that's some of the most affluent people in Milton Tennessee Go to that church. I said, okay. And I didn't know what that meant tangibly, uh, but I took a class, um, I took a class about charity, and he was a doctor. I got the two um, I began to befriend people like Justin Mundy. Justin Mundy is doing a lot of development. His family's doing a lot of development in the community that I'm um, in. Everywhere I turn, there were these people that had like, uh, one of the guys that started e is a place that I thought about for my business. He started E-Space, he didn't work there, he, he was like the founder. And I was like, wow, these people are really rich. Like like, like wealthy, like powerful, <coughs> right? And so what, what is it, how does that make me feel? One of the things that I've had to deal with in having this daughter now is the fact that I grew up around a lot of people that didn't have a lot of money. And even the people who thought they had a lot of money, they truly didn't have a lot of money they didn't own much. So to get her to a perspective where she knows and understands money, she needs to be around people that know and understand money. So it's one of the reasons why um, a tangible real-life experience, I like outer <coughs> group But when I look at my own experience, even a straight line, which is a middle-class African-American church, the only place where black people that city that the Church of Christ would go to and be around educated black folks and feel comfortable wearing a suit and the things that they do because here's the thing a lot of the people at Schrader they were custodians they were janitors they were people that did have they were barbers they weren't doctors they weren't lawyers at the highest level you had a little bit of that but truly throughout the church these were working class people. So when we talk about the failure of our church in building buildings, the black church, in so many different ways, has been the only place where successful black people could actually come together. Because I literally can fall in this audience right now and touch somebody that's probably for $300,000. <laughs> <laughs> but at, at, but as Schrader, that's not possible. So a lot of the issues that we have with Building these big buildings and and wanted to look magnificent. Even the way that we do the collection here, the collection and the Lord's Supper here, you can wear shorts. Mm -hmm. You can wear shorts. It was amazing. He had on shorts doing the
2: collection. You had to wear a suit. You (laughs) had to wear a vest. Oh, yeah. A three piece. A three piece. (laughs) What a tie. (laughs) Because
1: Sunday was the only place a lot of these guys ever got to dress up. Because their job required them to. Push a mob or push a group, and I'm not. I'm not saying this with sympathy. I just think that there's a disconnect a lot of times when we talk about African Americans and the way we deal with money, because for a lot, it's ob- It's so obvious to white people when they look at each other. They know these guys. Like I was. Uh, <laughs> I was in the library. it looks like, Let's and I saw the sign, I said, "Beaver library. And they were, and I asked the guy, I said, Is that Beaver?" And He was like, Well, yeah. I was like, Oh, I, I, didn't, know. <laughs> I didn't know. I not know I had no idea. But there's a library name, like, because he probably paid for the library. And that that that's incredibly that's incredibly inspiring, but it's frightening for people who literally come from no money at all. Yeah. So I think we just have to understand the historical relevance of how some of us have some of us have gotten
0: that's what the presentation said, yes ma'am.
2: I think we also need, and i I I bow to to this, I also think that we uh, need to understand as white folks that there are a lot of black folks in this town who could buy and sell, many of us in this church, many times over, and that we don't acknowledge that too. that the that there are people who have more education that there are people who have more money that there are people that have a bigger house that it's our city is not um, evil yeah. and 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 to say that it's not um, a one-upsmanship yeah. we got to understand what are
0: that's right if you have a child and you have not you Need to leave to go get the child. Remember, it's 10 <laughs> I don't want to get in trouble with uh, with Eric. Um, but uh, one last question with Brother uh, Hunter. Yeah, <laughs> my biggest concern about being a church is to become secularized. Become what? Secularized. Second Second okay. For example, uh, if you find a- Yeah. And, and, and that's that's trying kind to of mimic an oppressive system where mm-hmm. you're calling your uh minister's wife or slave. And and I identify with what uh Brother
2: Deacons is saying, you know, black African Americans didn't have went upon the power oppressive system in any form as I was coming up.
0: So the church was our stronghold. I mean, it's where black folks felt like they were somebody. Mm-hmm. And and I've had that. Experience. Where I was told, brother,
2: you cannot officiate the Lord's table or mm-hmm. food or, oh, yeah. or, or anything unless you have a suit of town. Yes, And sir. even as straight away,
0: I mean, one Sunday I walked in with a hat on. No. Oh. And the brother said, You can't have a hat on yeah. in the Lord's house. And I'm saying, Where's that in the Bible? <laughs> <laughs> A black uh, I think our and definitely. It was, it was tremendous if you posted, I'm gonna it, I'm going to Yeah. <laughs> there, there's actually been a lot of uh, black preachers that have been listening, and uh, they've, they've, they've commented. Some of them have had some of the same struggles. Uh, some of them. Uh, well, thank you. Um, just want to end with this right here. Just remember ideology. Don't let your theology, what you think about God, turn into ideology because it becomes about you. That's the reason why we have to keep our minds open to what other people think. That's the reason why I keep saying about sitting down at the table with people who are not like you because when you share a meal with somebody, you're on equal playing field. And you also have time for conversation. If you cut them out completely, It's going to be like when i first started the uh the first video you just hear sound bites and think oh yeah i already know everything about them but if you take the time to sit down and learn from other people i'm telling you it'll change your life it'll change your your ministry and it and it'll change the way you view god it will actually help you to view god in a more healthier way because you won't just be thinking God, thinking of God as one way. Remember what I said uh, a few weeks ago, that I was always taught a certain thing. I was always taught that Jesus was a Jew. But every picture that I saw of him was a white, white man. As long as we keep our focus on things like that right there, we'll never figure out who Jesus was. Thank you.